All right, so for those that are visiting or have first time here, we have started a series about our discipleship, what our discipleship path is, and we've talked about going back to the future in the sense that we're going back to the foundation of Methodism, of Wesleyan theology, and, and what really sparked the growth of the Methodist Church. And it's, it's called Three Simple Rules. One is to do no harm, that's where we're talking about today, and then one is to do good, and one is to stay connected to God and to one another. And, and if we follow those rules, uh, we will stay where we need to be to be in a, a right relationship, a good walk with, with our Lord. We'll be following Christ. And we've got your handy-dandy bracelets for those online. Come by, and we'll, we'll set you up with them to remind you during the week when that person cuts you off or something, do no harm, do no harm, right? So uh, get these and, and, and carry those with you. So last week we talked, about, we talked about the first part of do no harm, and that is that we don't add to the darkness, Right, that we don't, that there's so much dark stuff going on in the world, there's so much animosity, there's so much division, there's so much anger uh, in, in big ways and just little ways every single day. And we have to be careful as followers of Christ that we do not add to the darkness because it's very easy to get sucked in, isn't it? Just, oh, I'm just going to scroll through Facebook. What? I can't believe they said that. And then before you know it, you're in a war of words. So let me ask you, so if we said last week, we focused on let's not do any harm, don't add to the darkness. How'd you do this week? Well, I knew that would be quiet. Um, did you do any harm? All right. I was, if, if Bill wasn't going to be honest, I was going to be honest for you. Yes, you did. The answer is yes, you did. The question is not if we did harm, to what extent did we? You know, and like I said, the list is long. Uh, did you have a fight with your spouse? Yeah, I, I can look and see who's, everybody's going no, but I can see in the shake of the head who did or who that. Are, are your kids... Or as I said, the driver, did you have any moments of self-pity or pouting or anger or attitude? All right, now we're starting to get honest. It's okay. Did you gossip about anyone? Did you get in a Facebook war, Twitter war? Did you instigate a political conversation that turned ugly? <laughs> And we have the COVID darkness, we have uh, disagreements in churches. I mean, the list is long, and the ways to get sucked into the darkness is also long. And so we have to be very careful that we're always mindful of where we do harm, because we're called not to do any harm, but we've just admitted that we do do harm. So, so what's the solution? Well, let's read our scripture. It comes out of 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all of our sin. If we claim to be without sin, or we could say, if we claim we have not done any harm, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. This is the word of God for the people of God. So in our scripture, it says that you are not supposed to walk in darkness. And if you walk in darkness, then you are uh, not following in the light of Christ. So we're not supposed to walk in darkness. But then it says that we are called to, if we, if we claim that we don't walk in darkness, that we are without sin, then we're liars. That's a quagmire, isn't it? We're, we're, we're not supposed to walk in darkness, but then at the same time, we have to admit that we do. Because we're human, because we're fallible, because we're sinful, because we're selfish and biased, and the, the list goes on, we know that we are going to cause harm through our selfishness in some form or fashion. Maybe in big ways, maybe in small ways. But God has given us a way to fix it, to erase it. See, Wesley talks about, and I don't want to get too off in the weeds here, but Wesley talks about perfection. And a lot of Baptists have problems with that idea of perfection. All right? They don't think we can be perfect in this life. But, but it's really the nuances of what it means to be perfect. It's not really to do all the right things. We're going to make mistakes. <clears throat> We're going to sin. So it's not really about being right, because think about it. If it's about being right, then you got to be right 100% of the time, and none of us are going to be right 100% of the time, so it can't be about being right. That's, very, that's connected with following the law. Right? If you're going to, Paul says in Galatians, if you're going to try to be, earn your salvation and be justified by following the law, you got to follow all the law, and you can't do it. So what Wesley what talks about perfection is not so much in being right, but it's our tone and how we treat one another. We might not be able to be perfect in a moralistic sense, a legalistic sense, but we can be perfect in love. We can love one another. Wesley says, though we cannot all think alike, may we not all love alike. May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. With all doubt, we may, he says. And that I've talked in here about, that's our biggest witness, especially now. To be able to come in here and to be of different politics, to have different views, to have different understandings of the pandemic, to have different understandings within the church, to be able to do that and still love one another. That is our witness. Because the world is divided. The world tears each other down. We're supposed to be different than the world. And so the world needs to see us not all thinking alike, not all being of one opinion, 
but loving one another. I've shared with you, you know, the story of my good friend Eric, who I met, was with yesterday, and uh, we, we agree on everything. And then my oldest son, Zachary, um, I was... Uh, I was talking to somebody before church, and we were talking about anime, and my son loves anime, and he's in IT, and he's got some weird political views and some weird theological views, and we don't agree on everything, but I'm never going to love my friend Eric, who I agree with on everything, more than I love my son Zachary. So that's what I'm talking about. How we love one another is what Wesley talks, and, and so... If we love one another perfectly, yet we're going to make mistakes. I love my wife, but sometimes I hurt her feelings. Or sometimes I pout. Or sometimes I have a pity party. Well, my list is long. Okay. But I love her perfectly because I can go back and confess and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. If I cause some harm, I can fix it. So we go back and we confess and we repent and we forgive. That's how we healed our, heal our relationships with one another. And that's how we love perfectly. Love covers a multitude of sins. I can't remember if I shared the story of, of Zachary when he was little and I didn't grow up with my dad in the house, divorced mom, crazy guy. So I had a, he was like two. I didn't know what it was to be a good parent or I was just learning as I went, on the job training. And there was a football game on or something. It was just me and Zachary. And he got in, he was digging in the trash. And it was just, he was just interrupting my game. That's all it was. It was just selfish. I was like, Zachary! And he went, Droop! you know, a little two-year-old scared him to death. And all he went, oh, and you know how they have the delayed cry? He's like, oh, oh, it just started bawling. I was like, oh, and I felt so bad. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, and this is a Holy Spirit moment. I realized, I said out loud, I said, man, I'm going to suck at this. But the Holy Spirit came and said, you better learn how to say you're sorry. To your kids. And so I sat there and I didn't grow up in a family that said, I love you or sorry or that kind of stuff. And I sat there and I couldn't look him in the eye. Two years old, because I'm not used to this. And I'm practicing going, all right, Zach, I shouldn't have said that. I'm I'm sorry, sorry. And, and I just went through until I could look him in the eye and say, I'm sorry. And that's covered a lot of my sins, my mistakes. I'll go in and say, hey, I shouldn't have barked at you like that. And they'll go, well, I, did. I say, hey, you're still in trouble. I just didn't handle it right. And so this confession and repentance that brings forgiveness is how we fix it. And it's how imperfect people love perfectly. Through confession Repentance and forgiveness, it heals our relationships. When we go and we, we confess, first we have to acknowledge there's a problem, right? And nothing's going to get fixed unless, unless we say, yeah, that was a problem. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. 
If you have a broken bone and you just walk around and say, oh, no, it's not broken, it's fine, it's good, it's never going to get healed or it's not going to heal right until you say, yes, there is a problem here. I need to go to see a doctor and get this fixed. So confession, we are acknowledging our shortcomings, what we've done, our hurts, our sin, our selfishness, so that we can fix it. And then in repentance, we do something about it. We can't just acknowledge, yeah, it wouldn't go over well with my wife if I said, I am, uh, yeah, that what I did there, it was wrong. Okay. Right? That's going to be incomplete, isn't it? There has to be some act of amends, some act of repentance. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Let me cook you dinner. Or something, right? It, it, you just can't say you're sorry. When, a few weeks ago, Desiree came down, but she was going to come down a few weeks before, and she got rear-ended pretty bad um, in, on 35 downtown Fort Worth, and it just, I mean, it was bad. It was one of those stop-and-go things, and he was supposed to stop, but he, he wasn't looking, and he just kept going. Well, it would have been one, you know, for him to sit there and say, oh, it was my fault. That would have been one thing, but okay, that's great. Now we got to fix it. What's your insurance number? And it's still in the shop. But you see, we can't just acknowledge it. That's the first step. But then we have to repent, do something. Repentance literally means to turn, to do something different. And then... When all of this takes place, whether it's us to someone else or someone else to us, then we must forgive. If, if the confession is true, repentance is sincere, then we have to forgive. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about a man who owed money, some ridiculous amount of money, and he was forgiven by his landlord or emperor, I can't remember what the person was, if he was king or landlord in that parable. But he forgives him this huge debt, and then one of his little servants owes him a, peasly, a measly amount. And he has him thrown in the debtor's jail. And the, the king comes back and says, no, I forgave you this, and you couldn't forgive that. See, if we haven't really received the forgiveness of Christ, we're not going to be able to forgive others. If we know what Christ has done for us, he has forgiven me of my sins, past, present, and future, then I, who am I not to forgive somebody else if they repent? Jesus says if somebody repents, he's telling Peter, if somebody repents, if they, if they do harm against you, 70 times and, and, and repent 70 times, you got to forgive them that many amount because it comes through forgiveness. So this, it's not just how, God did not just give us this to heal our relationship with one another. And it's not just how we love one another, being imperfect as we are, how we perfectly love other people. It allows perfect, imperfect people to love perfectly. It also has healed our relationship with God. Same thing. It's vertical and horizontal. 
It fixed both relationships. Two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love one another. It fixes them both. It allows imperfect people to love a perfect God when we confess our sinfulness, when we confess of our, of our selfishness. We repent of that, and God has already forgiven us. Remember, I said this a few weeks ago. Sometimes we come and say, Lord, I confess and I repent. Lord, please forgive me. Lord says, I've already forgiven you. All you got to do is confess and repent. What Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. It is done. It is complete. And so the forgiveness is just there waiting for us to confess and repent. And then it's fixed. And so this is the second piece of do no harm. We'll move on to do good next week. Second piece. First, don't contribute to the darkness. There's already way too much. Don't get sucked in. And it's not about who's right or who's wrong when I talk about darkness. I'm talking about how we treat one another, how our attitudes, our anger, or resentments, all of that stuff. I'm talking about how we treat one another. Remember, Jesus said, the world will know you are my, di- my disciples by if you all agree on the same thing. Somebody better correct me or we're in trouble. Is that what Jesus said? No. No, Mike. No, this. No. Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. And he has given us this tool that when we do add to the darkness, when we do fall short, when we do hurt somebody, that we can fix it through confession, repentance, and forgiveness. And we are reminded of that every time we come to the Lord's table. We are reminded that he gave his life that we might have life. He gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And so we are reminded that through confessing our sins, as Jesus said when he began his ministry, when he was baptized by John and in the Gospel of Matthew, when he came out of the wilderness, he said, repent, the kingdom of God is near. In Mark, he said, repent and believe the gospel. It is the beginning of our faith. It is the beginning of our healing. And we are reminded every time we come to the Lord's table that we have received forgiveness already. All we need to do, and we have an opportunity to do that every week. What is it that you need to die to, to give to the Lord in communion? Say, Lord, there's always, it should be a time of confession, or this is where I did harm. As we go through this, and I hope it sets in, every time we come to communion, your, your first question should be, Lord, where did I do harm? I want you to heal that. I want you to guide me. Oh. And the harm could be to you. What'd you take into your body? What'd you take into your soul? What did, what'd you put in your mind? So when we come to communion this morning, if you don't have a packet, uh, they're walking around with them and they'll bring them to you. Let's remember that this represents God's love, mercy, 
grace and forgiveness. It is sitting there. Whatever you have done, whatever you are struggling with, whatever hurts you might have, whatever resentments, whatever it is, God is just waiting for you to leave it at the altar. Because he's already taken care of it. All we have to do is give it to him. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience. And I pray that you would continue to bless us and keep us. Lord, when we have done harm, help us to take a daily inventory and a weekly inventory about where we need to fix it. If we add it to the darkness, Lord, let's give us the courage and the boldness to always erase it that we might be a light. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.